you can make allies out of administrators, but they change about every six years. They're going to be gone and somebody new is coming in. You can make allies out of the parents. And for the most time, as soon as their kid's done playing, you don't see them anymore. Or you can make allies out of your players and they stay in your life for life. And they defend you when you need to be defended. Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. Today, we are joined by the founder of Proactive Coaching, Bruce Brown. Coach Brown spent 35 years as a teacher, coach, and athletic administrator at the junior high, high school, junior college, and collegiate level. Proactive Coaching works with coaches, teams, and leaders of industry to help intentionally create character-based team cultures, provide a blueprint for team leadership, develop confident, tough-minded, fearless competitors, and train leaders for excellence and significance. Coach Brown was also a former national presenter for the NAIA's Champions of Character program. Make sure you check online at proactivecoaching.info to learn more about their materials. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamoni Podcast. How are you? I'm uh, doing good. You know, we live on an island. Life's pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, we live, we're right on the ocean, so it never really gets above 75 and never very seldom gets below 45 to 40. So it's it's wow, pretty temperate. So, a little bit, a little bit of paradise there. A little a bit whole lot of paradise. Yeah, uh, you need to uh, you need to come up sometime. You know, we oh. have come from all over the country, and we have a guest house. So you and your bride and whoever, you're welcome to come. We've had coaches come from University of Kentucky. Well, Tim Corbin from Vanderbilt comes up with Maggie every year. Uh, we've had coaches from Boston and Florida and Texas and all over the place come. And it's it's interesting because you get those guys from like Nebraska and they go out on our, our water our water side and they're looking and they're just going, oh, my gosh, trees, <laughs> mountains, water. <laughs> it's not like this in Nebraska. So. Right. Yeah. So do you have coaches out for, I mean, kind of like retreats or, or that's, mini clinics? That's exactly what it is. We, we do retreats. Um, my, my travel partner, Rob Miller's traveling all over the world. You know, um, he just called me and he was down to see one of the teams he works with is uh, central Florida softball. So they were just playing at Wichita state. So he had just been down there and today he's headed up to Michigan and then he's going to the national dance coaches conference. So wow. somewhere. So no, I people come up here and they come mm. with all different goals, you know. Um, yeah, we'll get some people that will. Um, I mean, Tim Corbin came up and just said, "I just want to spend a couple of days with you." He said, "I'm missing something." This was mm. 11 years ago. Um, we'll have if they're local, they can bring kids, so they have captains and coaches workshops up here. Um, we have. Coaches, we have ADs send us coaches who they are young and they think they're going to be great and they want to shorten the learning curve. They want to, let's not That's take cool. five years to get there or 10 years to get there. Let's get this going. And we have uh, <clears throat> coaches, ADs send us coaches who are in trouble. Say, this guy needs to change or we're going to get rid of him. So it's all over the map. So it's, it's, for, it's, for those coaches that come up there saying, I'm missing something, what typically – if you could, I mean, that's that's hard to do, but especially with all the years and all the coaches that you've interacted with, what are they typically missing? Can you pinpoint a one or two things? You know what, Matt? It's 
again, it's all over the map. Uh, yeah. Most of them, most of them um, it is something with their approach, something with their coaching style, you know, that is, is causing lack of trust or not a high level of trust. You know, maybe it's just kind of a tentative trust level. Um, it's, it's usually something to do with their style. And uh, it, it is something that is, it's a choice to make. We all start off coaching as we were coached. Yeah. You know? and, and until you see a better way um, or, and you're willing to change, people just get entrenched in their, in their style. Mm. So, um, and yeah. if that's the case, then you're you're kind of rolling the dice, <laughs> you know. On on if you had someone, if you're lucky, up like my high school coach was really big into building relationships, and and I, I tried to take some of those, but then my college coach, you know, it was it was more business like, and unfortunately, I adopted the business like mentality from him going into high school, and man, that took years. For, for and, and and probably like you said, those relationships that weren't that close and lack of trust or, or and or a low level of trust. And so we're sometimes it's just we are fortunate or coaches are fortunate if they are mimicking somebody who had a great style. You know, um, I a couple things. Number one, go back to my coaches. My coaches came right out of World War II. Mm. They had all just gotten done with serving. And I mean, you talk about a military approach. And we loved them. You know, we loved them. Yeah. And you just thought that's what coaches are supposed to be. So, you know, I, and it didn't take me very long to say, you know what? Not only was I not in the military, I wasn't by choice. I would have loved to have gone to, I would have, my goal was to go to Air Force Academy, but I didn't have good eyes. But, um, but you know, it's just like, okay, that's not my personality. And so it didn't take me too long to change. Well, coach, already in our in our two or three minutes here, uh, it's it's been incredible. I just want to first thank you so much for giving up your time. I mean, I, I've been a fan from we've had a few conversations over the years, but a fan from far away and, and a fan of proactive coaching. I think it's one of the best follows personally on all any social media platform. I just it's like I just happen to get. Uh, at the right time, the right message from, from what you guys put out. And so this is just an honor for me. Well, it's an honor for me. I, I've, I've followed you also just, and I love your posts. I love your, I love your approach to your kids. It just is, uh, it's just fun to connect with like-minded people, you know, and, and it's fun for me to connect with like-minded people who are really young. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I got, I got some grace coach, you know, I'm 40, so I, I sometimes when I was playing three on three this weekend, as soon as uh, in the Saturday morning, as soon as it was over, I was like, "Man, I feel really old right now." <laughs> but but I'm sure to get it. I don't know. Maybe it gets worse. Maybe it gets better. I don't know. It gets better. You, especially because of uh, the the space that you're in with leading others and leading coaches, teaching coaches, what daily habits set you up for success? You know, my habits, I think, have changed over the years, and and um, I don't think I'll ever retire, so I think I'll always be on, you know, I'll always be on in some way. I mean, you don't retire from what I do. It's just, it's a mission. I, You know, for me, uh, I think it's really important how you start your day, hmm. and it's really important how you end your day. And so, so I've, I've tried to be really intentional in, in what I do in the morning, and, and the morning I get up, and, and I get into God's word and 
I spend some time just, you know, and with devotionals and stuff like that. And then I exercise. Uh, and then I do uh, whatever is the hardest job of the day. I do it first. Okay. Whatever's going to be the worst. Eat the job. frog. <laughs> whether it's scrubbing my deck from all the pollen or whether, you know, what, I try to get that, you know, that's the last thing I want to do. Okay. Let's do it first. You know, so that's yeah. in the evening. I think it's just important. Uh, I'm married to a coach and, uh, you know, we, like I said, we live on an island, so we're really isolated. I, and I think it's really important. I mean, we spend time together. Mm. Uh, every single night we have an outdoor fireplace uh, in a covered area, big stone fireplace, and it's covered. So we're out there, whether it's raining or snowing or, or what it is, we're out there. And, and uh, I, I just, I think those, the way you begin your day and the way you end your day sets you up for the whole rest of the, the day to go well. There's, there's two things I'd love to dive into a little bit more that one uh, being also a man of faith and, and, doing my very, very best to be in his word every single day. I don't get, I don't typically start off that way, even though I, I would love to, but there, there is a time every day that I get there. What over the years, is there, I don't know, you, you mentioned devotionals, but is there a pattern or is there a way that you really like to, to spend that time that you felt like just really nourishes you or throughout the year? Well, there are some devotions and Jesus calling is, is a, is a really good one that we use. Both my wife and I use that one. And we, we kind of read along the same thing and it gives us something to discuss later in the day too, or it gives us something to remind us of something that we're going to do differently today. than we. <laughs> so, uh, and we're in the midst right now with our church of, uh, my wife's on the selection committee for a new pastor. Mm. And, uh, so we have a daily prayer for the committee and, and for the new pastor that's coming and for the whole congregation on how they're going to accept him and embrace him and just uh you know understanding that's on god's time not ours and we're you know there's a tendency for coaches like my wife and i to say, let's get in let's get this done you know bring him in nope 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 got him <laughs> <laughs> oh so, yeah it's it's um and i try to i try to I, I, I stay with a, I stay with a, a book and I just go a chapter at a time and then I just try to spend time thinking about it during the day and I walk every day too mm. uh, and and my wife is also she walks but we don't walk together because she walks for exercise to get her heart up and and I walk you, you just so want to drink it in <laughs> so I slow her down and she drives me nuts just talking to me about trying to think so, so. yeah. <laughs> That's really good, though, that you, I mean, that you do know that about each other, that you're okay with having that separate time. Now getting into, because I think this, this relationship is really important, and it's one that, I mean, in season, coaches, it's just so easy to go, uh, you know, a week or two and then realize, when was the last time it was just us talking and, and it didn't have to do with the team, it didn't have to do with anything or, or the schedule of what's coming up? So that time that you guys have together every day, you know, is there uh, Chip Ingram is one of my favorite pastors to kind of follow and, and listen to from afar. And he has some questions that he, that him and his wife go through every once in a while. And any, any tips or guides that, uh, that spend you time, uh, the time that you spend together? You know, uh, it's different every day, you know, yeah. I mean, it's what's going on in our in our in our kids' lives. It's it's what's going on in our business. It's it's what's going on with our friends, and it's a health. You know, I mean, at, at our at our age, I mean, she's younger than I am, but 
uh, at our age, you know, there's a lot of people that need prayer. I mean, there's a lot of people that are, that are, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons people leave the island and, and move off the island uh, is they need to be closer to healthcare. And mm. so we've had a number of friends actually leave for that reason. And, and so there's just, there's just always something to, to talk about. Try how to how big, how big is the, cause you, you've talked about the island a few times. How big is it? How many people are living there now? Uh, it's about 20 miles long. It's, okay. it's about, um, uh, probably three or four or five miles wide in some places. Uh, we're at the very south end. We're the most isolated. So it's only about a mile wide down here. I tell people if we see 10 cars on a day, somebody's building a house. We don't see anybody. I mean, it's eagles, <laughs> whales, deer, and, oh. and so, so, uh, it's, and I think there are about 17,000 full time. It used to be kind of a, a getaway with people with summer cabins from mm -hmm. Seattle or that kind of thing. And now it's, uh, now it's mostly full-time people. And you know what? It's, it's cool, Matt. Uh, people love living here. So it, it's, it's the way they interact with you. You know, people are friendly. People are courteous. People, people drive courteously. Uh, you know, uh, when I first got here, it used to drive me crazy because there's places on the island that the speed limit is as high as 50, and you'd get behind this guy going 35, and you're thinking, hey, you know. <laughs> and now I'm the guy going 35, and they're above and I don't care. <laughs> you're just not in a hurry. You're not in a hurry. You know what? I tell people, I mean, even at the store, people say, I'm sorry, sorry for your weight. It's like, if I was in a hurry, I wouldn't live here. Yeah, I, I was just thinking that when I said, what, what must it be like? to be in a place and also you know, at a, a place in your life where you're not in a hurry. Cause I mean, Landon, my stepson and I, we wake up uh, about as early as we need to, to get up to the school to, so that for the, for open gym and weights. And then, you know, you kind of hustle through the day every, you feel like you're timed everywhere. And then you get home, you have practice and then you've got all this stuff and it just, I feel like we're always in a hurry. I just wonder what that's like to, not have that well one of my former players who retired from microsoft at age 36 he was right place right time wow he told me he said coach it's going to take you a couple of years to figure out how to slow down because you've been just you've been on that exact pace you know for for 32 years and mm. and, and you loved it and he said it's going to take you at least two years to, to be able to relax and um I think he was probably accurate. <laughs> you mentioned that your your wife is is active with your business too. So she's been with proactive coaching for for a while now. That's the beginning. Wow, that's cool. Uh, you know, neither of us are business people, so we rely on our on our uh, former athletes who are business people to help mm. us out there. Um, she does all the invoicing. She does all the scheduling. She used to do all the plane flights and stuff until Rob took that over. Um, she does all the editing um, of all the stuff I write because I, I, I read for content. So I just read stuff and it could be a total mess. And I, I, I you know, it's like, yeah, it looks good to me, you know. <laughs> It'll come back just bad, you know. And it's like, <laughs> no, she's, she's the rock. Uh, she is the one who is, uh, uh, she's the voice of reason. Hmm. She is just, grounded and stable and pretty special. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Biology. What's your BSA score? 
The Bology Skills Assessment is the only verified skills metric endorsed by the NAIA, NJCAA, and a growing number of NCAA coaches to discover and develop the best talent for your team. This four-minute, 40-shot test can be taken free today on the Bology mobile app. Elevate your game. With all the materials and things, and at the end of this, I would love to talk a little bit more about proactive coaching. So, but with all of the, your, your, I would imagine you're constantly learning is you have a growth mindset. What are some opportunities for, for learning and growth that you've recently found? You know, I, I came across, I'll just talk to you about one. <clears throat> I came across, I think I do have a growth mindset. I think that's something that, you know, sometimes you have to work at it. It's because it's easy to get kind of comfortable. Yeah. If you get older, it's easy to kind of go, hey, you know. But um, I'll tell you about one. And there are some things, Coach, that, you know, came out of COVID that were good. Mm. Okay. And one of them was doing what we're doing right here, this ability to meet people and talk to people on Zoom. Yeah. And so I got this invitation from the Cleveland Indians, who are now the Cleveland Guardians. And to join this, um, I don't even remember what they call it, but it basically is kind of this think tank. And so I said, tell me about it. And they said, it's something that our entire organization is, is uh, committed to having a growth mindset. It's something no matter what position you have in the, in the organization, that is something that we're looking for and something we expect. So they said, um, so we've got about 80 people minor league managers, hitting instructors, major league, everybody, okay? And then we we invited what they called 40, quote, experts. Now that's, <laughs> I had to be pushing the envelope there a little bit. So 40 experts from around the world to join them. And it used to be twice a month. And now, now that things are getting back to normal, it's like once a month or once every six weeks to join them. And they have one person who kind of leads and teaches anything. It could be anything. Okay, um, and then they break you out in these small groups, and you discuss what's being taught. And, and the the thing for me is the different perspectives. Mm -hmm. You know, you get in these small groups, and it's just people from all over everywhere. You know, uh, it could be an author from England. I mean, I've been in groups where there have been an admiral, wow. Admiral McRaven. Wow. You know, make your bed guy. Uh, a Nate, yeah. Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the a Navy SEAL, uh, James Franklin, the Penn State football coach. Uh, you know, uh, a, a guy that, that is an author from, from New Zealand. Uh, just, mm. it, it's incredible. And you discuss these things, they come back, and then they do kind of an after party if you want to stay and ask questions in Q&A. And every week is like, a or every meeting is like a totally different topic. And I keep, so every now and then I'll think, oh, that doesn't seem very interesting to me. And yeah. I'm, oh, okay, I'll watch anyway. And it's like, whoa, okay. That was great. <laughs> I'm going to use that tomorrow, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's been, that was, um, that whole organization, like I said, has said, if you're going to be part of this, this is who we are. And, and it isn't just about baseball. It's, Matter of fact, most of them have nothing to do with baseball. Hmm. So, I, I think there's there's a great nugget right there, which is and I've I've felt in the past, especially let's just with basketball and style of play, I've become very comfortable 
in the uh, the lane that I'm in and almost to the point where you know going to clinics or even watching things online it's 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 such a great opportunity but I have felt myself at times what is he talking about no that's not me I don't we don't do that you know and I shut down or or I'll even be at a clinic and I won't have my notebook out but what a great reminder that it doesn't even matter. It could be a topic outside of what Jordan Peterson has some, some interesting viewpoints. <laughs> but one thing I, I like he says was that expect or um, believe that in every conversation you can learn something from that person. And I think that's a reminder that, at, especially with a growth mindset, that there's always things that we can pick up, always ways that we can expand what we're doing. And if we don't, have those opportunities or look for those opportunities we can get really closed off you know there was a professor from chicago who was a professor of theater who spoke one time and i was thinking (laughs) (laughs) get my phone out (laughs) (laughs) and he was fantastic and i'm thinking when i before i started i thought that's just how are the coaches gonna you know how are they gonna what are they gonna get from this and it was it was kind of magical, actually. Really mm. cool. But and again, look with with you started out by saying like from COVID there were some some positives and the ways that coaches can use technology and can connect with players and and other people. You know, so I think a good idea for for coaches is to create these kind of roundtable conversations yourselves. I mean, one thing I've learned from getting to do this in just a year is that one, how much I, what I don't know, like it's incredible what I don't know <laughs> and how limited I am, you know, in my experiences and stuff. But then you start to bring in other people and you get all these great ideas and, and Zoom and these things. I mean, it's just made it easier than ever. What are some great qualities that you see that, that leaders possess? First of all, I think they really know and understand and can articulate their why. Okay. It makes them believable the way they're able to explain it. It makes them reliable. It makes them uh, trustworthy, uh, their why. And I, I think that's, you know, it's, it's something. Here's the, here's the key word for me, Matt, with leadership, intentional. Hmm. There's very little is left to chance. Everything is done by design because it's been thought out. And what they're saying is, I, I have really thoroughly thought this out and, and I filtered through my beliefs. And now it's down to just something that's, that is so, it, it makes, it allows people to have a sense of urgency. You know, your great leaders have a sense of urgency and they can create a sense of urgency, hmm. you know, in our profession. That, you know, they just have this little bubble of excellence around them that just kind of, makes you kind of you know stand taller um another thing besides intentional i think one of the things that really separates people i've worked with who i would consider great leaders is their care level you know um you just see a level of care about their followers that a lot of people just don't have Mm. you know just don't have that depth of care sincere depth of care I, I care about these young people i'm leading i care about this business i'm leading and i care about their individual lives do you think that that might be because of you know, knowing your why is 
is tough and it takes time. And you might start out thinking one thing is your why or the reason motivations for what you're doing. And then uh, changes in your life, changes in what you're doing can can make, you know, you uh, that why change a little bit. Do you think that might be a reason? Very possible. Uh, you know, very, very possible. Uh, I do think some people are kind of born with a, a higher level of care than others. Mm. Maybe yeah. Or something. But it also, um, I've seen people grow into that. Yeah. I've, I've, I've seen people, um, I, was, I was working with a coach one time and uh, we were trying to find something that was going to allow him to be in his mind more successful. And I asked him, I said, do you love your players? And he said, yeah. And I said, do they know? And he went, probably not. Mm. And so we spent quite a bit of time talking about, it doesn't take very much time to, to demonstrate care, the way you greet people, the way you look at people, the, you know, the, your body language around them. You know, um, it doesn't take very much to demonstrate care. Anyway, uh, he, he really took it to heart. He is a high-level coach, took it to heart. And about three weeks later, his wife called me. And she said, Bruce, you will not, because she, she attends practice all the time. Uh, Bruce, you would not believe the way the kids are like looking at me like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, we always respected him. We always admired him. But now there's this different level. And, and so, yeah, it's, and he just, he, he just, I think the care level is there. I think it was uh, being intentional about how I'm going to demonstrate that. How could you, how could you ask your players or find out what they think about, like right now, if I was to go into my gym and ask them, guys, do you know that I love you? I, you know. I would like to think that they would respond yes without hesitating. But how, but I mean, is that a, is that a way? Just literally go in and ask them. How can you, as a coach, assess their how they think or how they view you and your level of care? You know, first of all, don't wait to ask them. Just tell them. Right. Right. Tell them every day and tell them in different ways. You know, I tell people all the time, don't wait for the banquet to tell your kids you care about them. They, you might be dead by then. You're my age. So, so, but, but, but then, you know what? I, I think, Matt, it's, it's, it's more, I, I, you're, you're dealing with 15, 16, 17 year old kids. Their concept of love mm. is different. Okay. Uh, and, and I think that what comes across is, does this coach like me? Does this coach care about me? Does this coach sincerely want to know about me? Okay. And, and, I, and I think that the, if you, when you want to ask your players that is when they're 25, but you won't have to ask them because they just come tell you. Yeah. That like me part. Do, is, that a, is that a good goal or aspiration for, for coaches is to have their players know that we, that we like them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it is, you know, and it isn't like you, you're doing it because you want to be liked. You're doing it because. See, that's yeah, different, right? Yeah. yeah totally different. Yeah. Kind of, kind of the way I, I, you know, um, I had, I had one time in an interview, I had a, a superintendent of schools ask me, he said, it was about students. It wasn't about athletes. He said, would you rather have your students respect you or like you? 
And I said, neither. I'd rather have them love me. I like that. <laughs> they love me. They're going to love my subject. And they're going to love being in my class. And we're going to have a heck of a great time. Okay. And, and I don't said, I don't need them to tell me that. I just need them. I just need them to show me that with their behavior in my classroom. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I just, if you don't, it's Eddie Robinson. If you don't love your kids, get out of coaching. Mm. You know? And, and it isn't, you know, oftentimes I wouldn't actually tell a kid I love, I'd say, I love coaching. I love coaching. And that's probably bad enough. Yeah. I mean, um, it does because it does translate, absolutely. you know. Especially if I'm, they're my players. I'm their coach. Loving coaching them, it's ingrained throughout it. You know, I love my sons. I love my wife. You know, but I'm coaching you, so I, I really like that way of articulating that level of care. Hopefully, every kid that ever played for me heard that from that I'm, mm-hmm. a, and doesn't doesn't mean I like everything they do, and it yeah. doesn't. Mean- every second of the day and it doesn't mean i'm not going to hold them accountable matter of fact it's going to allow me to hold them more accountable mm. because i because of that level of care hopefully coach i'm going to take a shot here do you ever watch the office yeah okay yeah. so one of my favorite it's just something about you when you're talking michael scott they, they ask i do you want his employees to fear him or love him he's like i want them to fear how much they love me. (laughs) It has really nothing to do with what we're talking about. But when you said it, Michael Scottism just shot in my head. One, one thing you said at the very beginning of this, with this question is, and I haven't really thought about it, um, being reliable. And I, I love that, that idea of great leaders are reliable. And can you, uh, I guess, expand on that a little bit? What does that look like? Well, I, I think one of the most important things I've written is called The Impact of Trust. And it's just a booklet. It's about 38 pages long or something. It's like a chapter. Um, and, and I thought I, and it basically what allows an adolescent to trust an adult, what allows an athlete to trust a coach, but it also is it's branched into business leadership stuff that we do too. But anyway, um, and I thought I had a lot of really good answers. You know, and I thought I had a lot of good content. And then I did something really smart, Matt. And I went down to the local athletic director at high school, and he has a captain's council of representatives from all the leadership kids from all the different teams in their school, big school. And I asked him these questions. Have you ever had a coach that you trusted? If so, why? Mm. And what difference did the trust make in your performance? And then I flipped the question and said, have you ever had a coach you distrusted? If so, why did you distrust them? And what difference did the distrust make in your performance? And like kids can do, their answers just, I had them write them, okay? They're just, kids just cut to the chase. They just, they're just so honest, okay? I, I love that. I mean, it's just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was reading through them and, and uh, I just got really energized. So I started shooting emails to athletic directors all around the country, college and and high school athletic directors we've worked with and said, would you mind asking your players this? I got about 600 responses from the university in Southern California that did almost all their athletes. And um, boy, their answers validated what I was thinking, but said it so much different, so much better than I had Mm. already written it out. But one of the things was about trusting somebody is, is their consistency, 
character. I mean, the things that it came, the things that came down to were the thing I narrowed it down to three things that allowed you to be trusted. And then there's a lot of sub stuff under that. The first one is your confidence. You know what you're doing. You know how to coach. You know how to coach the game and the kids and the age group and the gender. You know, you know how to coach the game and your kids. Okay. And there's a whole bunch of stuff under confidence when I do that presentation. And the second thing allows you to be trusted is um, your, your care, your personal care. Because you can know everything you want about the game, but if you don't care about your kids, you can win every game and they're still going to be glad it's over. Okay? Mm. And the last thing that allows you to be trusted is your personal character. And it's the one that is the hardest to really decipher and determine somebody as a person of a character, but it's the quickest one you can lose. Uh. Okay. So, and, and, and reliability kind of comes under all three of those things. Yep. Oh, you know, a, a trustworthy person of character that's trustworthy is reliable. They're consistent. They, you, you, you can kind of predict that they're going to make, they're not going to let the circumstances determine their, their judgment. You know, they're going to allow their, their faith or their character to, to make the decision. Uh, and the same thing about care. They're, re they're reliable. It isn't like, they're not like this, you know, you catch them on a good day. They're all kinds of fun. You catch them on a bad day. They're, you know, so what happens when you have a leader that's like this, Matt, is you stop following them because you never know where you're going to catch them because they're not reliable. You never know where you're going to catch them. So you basically just step back and say, I don't think so. Uh, reliability is, is, you know, yourself that there are people in your life who are completely reliable mm. and people in your life who are, sometimes reliable and you keep those people at a little bit of an arm's distance to protect yourself you protect yourself. coaches the jamoti podcast is powered by shoot 360 the future of basketball has arrived in dallas fort worth shoot 360 combines the latest sports technology with the fundamentals of basketball skill development the result is a one-of-a-kind video game like basketball program designed to improve your shooting dribbling and passing visit shoot 360 dfw.com to learn more and register for your free one-hour workout evaluation. Shoe 360, the future of basketball is here. What leaders or coaches do you follow that you feel like, man, I, I get a lot from these guys or I've learned a lot from these guys? I read, you know, there's something I wish I'd have done. I, I wish I would have, I excused myself from reading when I was where you are. Mm. I'm, I'm too busy to read. I got other things on my list that I need to get done. And it really wasn't until I started traveling a lot to speak and on airplanes that I started really reading. And now I can't get away from it. So the leaders that I would follow that I read about, John Maxwell, okay, I just think he, his, his concepts are simple, but they're simple truths. Yeah. And uh, I love Tony Dungy and, and the stuff that Tony Dungy has written. And I've had a chance to meet him and spend time with him. And, and mm. he's person in person that you see on TV. that's pretty cool to hear yeah 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 you know when we get a chance to meet a lot of quote unquote famous people some are real and some are fake and and it doesn't take you very long to see which is which and mm. some of the best ones you know my, I, I still love reading coach wooden i mean i still, yeah. I still get back to coach wooden of all my, i think i have just about anything that's ever been written about him or anything he's ever written and um i've had a chance to to be with him on two different occasions. And the last one was, he was 94 and we were 
alternating presentations at Fresno uh, Pacific University down in California and for a day and a half. And I'll tell you what, it was just priceless time. I mean, sitting at a table and his, his 94 year old mind was about 60, his mind was about 60 years younger than that body. Wow. Okay. No hesitation, no glitches, no, no repeats. He's quoting poetry, you know, but his, he was very frail. I mean, I had to open his silverware for him, you know, just mm. a little wrap around the silverware and the napkin. But his mind was still so yeah, sharp. His mind was phenomenal. It was, it was absolutely great. Um, and I got a chance to tell him uh, how much he had impacted my life by a couple of things he had done um, that he may or I don't know. I doubt if you ever remember so I love Dean Smith, uh, and I got a chance to meet Dean Smith. I, I really like Dick Vermeil, and I've had a chance to meet and, and, and spend time with Dick Vermeil. Um, but mainly the leadership people that I deal with the most now are the people we work with. Mm. Okay, it's just, uh, you know, uh, Heather Tarr, University of Washington softball coach. Oh, my gosh. She could coach any sport, either gender. That's cool. Successful. She is a coach. She is a she is a leader. She is uh, about as good as it gets. I, Tim Corbin, the Vanderbilt baseball coach, uh, is somebody who I just completely admire. And, uh, he and Maggie, like I think I said earlier, come up here every year or two. And matter of fact, this year they're coming up the first week of August, and and I've already scheduled a barbecue where I'm going to invite. Uh, a bunch of coaches who follow us locally, you know, probably within 150 miles or something just to come. And because Tim said he'd love to just sit and just have a Q and a with oh, that's cool or not. Yeah. Um, you know, a chip Kelly, I've been working with chip since he was at the university of Oregon and he's, he's not what you see on TV he can come across very dismissive. He can come across kind of glib and, you know, I mean, he, he but he's really a shy person. Hmm. When you get him in his zone of with athletes, brilliant, right? Oh, wow! That whole you're talking about people with a growth mindset. That whole win the day thing that they talked about at Oregon that was chip. Mm. I mean, there isn't a day I've been around him. I've been around him a lot of days, and there's been a day I've been around him that he wasn't trying to get better some way and make the people around him better some way. Um, yeah, those. So I we, most of my time with my leadership is is um spent now with people we work with some of the very best leaders are people you've never heard of matter of fact I'm, I'm trying to do a book on the best coaches you've never heard of oh that'd be cool okay and and i've and i've got a bunch of them that i've been interviewing their players hmm. okay and i mean there was a there's a coach a high school volleyball coach from a from a little tiny wheat farming uh, high school in eastern washington okay she coached there for 28 years. The 26 years they were in the state tournament. 16 years they won it. Mm. The last four or five years that she took her kids to state when they got to the final four, she was coaching against her daughters or kids who she had coached. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wow. Legacy That's right there. Normal. Yeah. What does she do? Yeah. What does she do? And so anyway, so there's people like that who just, uh, for me, they're just, you just come across these people and you just go, oh my gosh. When, when is that coming out, that, that book that you're writing? 
Well, I, I'm doing it in conjunction with uh, a, a, probably going to be my last book. It's called Coaching for Significance. And I'm going to do it around uh, four different coaches by, based upon interviews with their players with a series of questions. Why did you win? What set them apart? You know, uh, you know, what did you stand for? Yada, yada, yada. And the four coaches are Dick Vermeil, who I already mentioned, Pat Summit, and even though Pat Summit has passed, uh, Dean Lockwood was her long-term assistant at uh, Tennessee, and now he's associate head coach at Michigan State. And Dean is really great friends with our partner Rob Miller, so I interviewed Dean at length, and then uh, he gave me a list of players to contact, and had contacted them saying this guy is going to be calling you. And I got to tell you something, Matt. You know, if you think Pat Summit, you think tough and in your face and all that kind of stuff. But she had built up such a bank account of trust that she could say things and do things that that other people couldn't do. Mm. Not one of her players was able to get through the interview without crying. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, and then the other two coaches are coaches I've already mentioned, Tim Corbin and Heather Tarr. And so I'm doing it around those four coaches. And it's basically one of the questions was, what did they do that any coach who cared could learn to do? And so I think- That's a great question. Yeah, so I'm actually pretty much done with it. Mm. I'm kind of stuck on how I'm gonna format it, Mm. whether I'm gonna do four small books, one big book. And then the fifth one would be, Coaches' significance that you've never heard of. And so yeah. it'd be shorter versions, maybe in one book with all of them in one book. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I love I love that idea, though, because full transparency, it's a little bit of, of why I'm doing this. And, you know, with you, like there's some guys on, on my list of, of guys I wanted to reach out to. It's personal like i want this time with you i've just this is this is incredible it's an honor for me but then i go back you keep in going back to what you said about COVID and how you can learn things uh, i love talking shooting with people and so they'll that's nobody contacts me about defense coach nobody but some con- <laughs> some contact me about shooting and, and shooting threes oh, and so your desk is meticulous it is clean yeah. right now. It is coaches. Everything's organized. Everything's exactly in the same place. Defensive coaches. They're all stacks. Stacks. <laughs> I know where everything is. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I'm, I'm talking with this this uh, coach from a girls team in Rockwall. It's outside of DFW. And uh, we're, we're talking about shooting. And then our conversation just drifted off into team culture. and And the one of the activities that she does with her team and i'm just it was going to a cabin and i thought okay i've heard of that taking your team away to retreat that's cool and i just kind of pressed in well what what do you do while you're there and and she went through kind of this this list of questions that she did and i i, I have them written down but this was two years ago and i thought to myself like this is great and how many coaches out there just in my area high school coaches are doing amazing things, but there's not necessarily a platform. You know, unless I told one of my buddies, unless you win state in Texas, you're really not going to get asked to do anything by anybody ever. And and so that's just been, it's been fun to have the college guys on and some of the PGC guys that I know so well from directing with them, but, but the high school coaches and, and, and like you just nailed, it's the, the people that you just probably will never hear of, but are, they know their why. 
and they're being transformational, not transactional. I mean, that's the stuff that, how do you not love that? No, um, it's interesting. I mean, God's hand has been on this whole process of us becoming a business. I had no plans to do this, you know, and, and I, I, I'm really a pretty shy person, unless I'm talking about something I have a passion about, I'm, I'm pretty quiet, pretty removed or, you know, just. You're not out there trying to get your name out there. So, So people will say, how did you get your, how did you start speaking? And I said, coaches are the most, Skeptics, oh, skeptical people in the world, man. You know, okay, so so you first get asked to speak when your teams have done real well, mm. and everybody wants to know your secrets. You know, how do you do? De- how do you defend this? How do you, you know? How do you teach that? And so I was speaking on that for probably uh, five, six years on different clinics on the West Coast, and I was in some pretty big, you know, ones in San Francisco and North NorCal and all this, and I finally got to know the people who were running the thing well enough to go in and say, look, I love talking about the technical parts of the game. I'm always honored to be here, you know, and the technical part is really important. But the truth is, I don't think that's where we're winning. Mm. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, I think it's this stuff we do outside of the technical part, as far as culture, as far as building character, as far as, you know, doing those things. And they said, you start speaking on that. And I don't, there were a Really weren't, there really wasn't anybody doing it. There were a few sports psychologists. Tom Tutko was kind of non-X's and O's, but they were sports psych guys. Um, so that's how, it's, that's how it started. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. I'm ashamed to say this, but go back probably 13, 14 years ago at the my previous school is a big public school here in DFW. And I viewed it, I viewed parents as the enemy. And it was us versus them across the way and you know and i i was very confident in saying uh i won't talk about playing time i won't and it just i I look i know now just how destructive and what negative culture but how can you have a positive culture with your team and your program if that's the idea that's that's out there so coming to faith i was almost forced to change because it's a private school they're paying to be here. So in my mind, just, just from that idea, all right, they literally have a right to ask me anything. But then seeing that evolve, those relationships evolve to creating or making them allies instead of adversaries. What are some tips that you have for coaches, man, to bring those parents on board? Okay, it's one thing. Do a great job with your kids. Okay, I never set out to make allies out of the parents. Mm. Okay, I tried to treat everybody respectfully and courteously and and make myself available to them, not try to shut the door or anything like that. But I, what the goal wasn't to make an ally out of them at all. You can make allies. You have three choices, Matt. You can make allies out of administrators, but they change about every six years. Yeah, yeah. 
they're going to be gone and somebody new is coming in. You can make allies out of the parents. And for the most time, as soon as their kid's done playing, you don't see them anymore. Or you can make allies out of your players. And they stay in your life for life. And they defend you when you need to be defended. You know, even even um, even with their own parents. Uh, I had a I had a father call me one time. They had moved in from the south, and his kid was a big old boy, and, and he was a football guy playing football. I was coaching football, basketball, and baseball. But uh, uh, he was playing football for me, and um, uh, the dad called me about three weeks into the season, and he said, uh, "So, coach, I'd, I'd like to sit down and talk." To you. And I thought, I said, "Sure." So I, you know, you never have any idea what's coming, and and uh, I really liked his kid, and his kid was a great worker, and he was, had a teachable spirit. He was, he, he really wanted to be good. He's a good teammate, and all those things. And um, I think he had changed a little bit when he saw our culture. He, in order to fit in, he was going to have to make some changes, and he made them. Uh, it wasn't about him all the time, you know. And and he was able to become that good teammate. Anyway, the dad said to me, he said. Uh, so I got to be honest with the coach. He said, every coach that ever coached Jay has never been good enough. I, you know, he says, I've never had a coach good enough for Jay. And he said, so I was always the coach that, or I was always the dad. We'd get in the car and I'd be going, you know, why are you guys running that stupid offense? How come he wants to throw the ball for? How come, you know, you know, how come he doesn't have those big other guy in that other position? And he said, I started doing that with Jay when we moved up here. And he said, about the fifth day that I did it in a row, Jay said, dad, shut up. He said, he said, this guy loves us. He knows what he's doing. And this is an unbelievable place. Wow. And he said, I just want to tell you that. And see, I'd never known. I'd have never known that if he hadn't told me. But the, but the truth is, you, you make allies out of your athletes. They stay in your life forever. They become, you know, I've had a couple of coaches I've been working with that got in, um, you know, some parental issue things to the point that where it was really unfair for the coach it was really a bad situation but the parent made it bigger 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 it finally got in front of the school board mm. and um they were going to decide if they were going to keep this this young lady on as their volleyball coach you know and based upon what this one mom had been doing everywhere and uh i, I told her i said natalie i said this doesn't happen very often in your life but there's a there's a there's comes a time in your life as a coach where you need to call in your allies i said get on the phone and every one of her former, she had only been there five years. Every one of her foreign players came and showed up Wow! and basically said, leave her alone. Okay. And, but so for me, uh, parents, you know, I, I never tried to get really close to them, but I definitely didn't push them away either. Here's yeah. something else I did, Matt, that I think was helpful is we didn't just do a parent night where I'd come in and talk to them about the schedule and all that kind of stuff. We had a whole bunch of different things. I mean, one of the things I, I used to ask in a parent meeting is something I posted about, so you may have even read this, but I would always ask a couple of things. Is there anything going on in your kid's life right now that would help me coach them better? Okay, to understand what's going on. And boy, I got some like, whoa, I had no idea. And then the other thing was is, is uh, how does your son or daughter learn best? And most kids are visual learners. Most athletes are visual learners. But every now and then I'd, I'd run across somebody who'd say, you know, my kid learns best if he can read all about it ahead of time. And so I'd say, anytime I put anything new, I'll put it in writing and I'll send it 
I sent it home with him a couple of days early. And, you know, so he has a chance to come back to me and ask questions. So all you're trying to do is just generally be respectful. But where I was going with this is besides the normal parent presentation, first of all, be ready for those. I, I we work, we, we have a presentation we do for parents. We do it a lot at parent evenings and uh, it's comes from the kid's perspective. And, and I'll, and I'll look at these coaches and there'll be a group of coaches over there and as we're breaking up and they're supposed to go have the meeting with their parents from their sport, they're going, well, um, what do you think we should talk about? Uh, does anybody have a schedule? You know, did anybody put up a schedule? You know, and I'm, oh my gosh, you've got one shot here. Yeah, that's a terrifying feeling right there. Yeah. You need to be more prepared for that than you are for any practice. Anyway, one of the things we used to do is we would have a shortened practice in front of the parents. Mm. And most of them had a preconceived idea of what a practice looked like. And they'd be going, whoa, whoa, look at the attention, look at the, you know, look at the quick starts and starts, look at the quick instruction, look at the, the way the kids accept correction, look at the look at how focused the kids are, you know. And it was like, I think what that does is kind of set the stage to say, um, we're we're preparing your kids well. Yeah. I love that idea. And I, there's over the years I've seen, you know, being down in Texas where football is king, there is a buy-in with parents and a lot of, maybe because a lot of the dads played, but they, I, I'll drive up to the school and it's early morning football practice. You'll see dads lined up along the fence watching practice. And then I, I invite the parents and say, Hey, practices are open. I would love for you to come and see what we're doing. And, and, you know, and learn and, and enjoy it. And, but I rarely have anybody come. But I've thought about inviting the whole program, you know, seventh grade up parents to come see, you know, at the for the younger parents, this is what, if you keep working and stay with it, this is what could be there for you and your son. And then for the current players, you know, the, the, the level of accountability, the level of spirit and energy in the gym, attention to detail, but my whole point in all this is I haven't had that that happen much, but at but with select basketball, the years that I did coach it, the parents were so bought in. One, financially, they were literally, you know, putting their money where they're, but also they drive their kids to practice. They sit there, they listen to everything. So they knew each other in, in games. They they had already heard what was going to be said. So I've been I, wanting that, but I've been, I don't know what's holding me back from pulling the trigger on, you know, maybe, maybe it's just an, the inconvenience of having them come up for another night. Or like you just said, those two things come together, parent meeting and observe practice. I and love food. it. And then food. And then food. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I, it's, you know, we just would have a regular practice to just be short. We might go 35 minutes instead of, instead of, instead of an hour and 35 or two yeah. hours. And, and um, you know, I, I remember I had a, uh, one of my players' dads was a Division One coach, and, and uh, mm. he came up to me afterwards just shaking his head. He said, Coach, he says, the only talking I heard the whole time was defense. He said, there wasn't, um, there was no side conversations. There were no words. You know, he said, the focus was unbelievable. Well, Matt, those were ninth grade boys. I was coaching ninth graders at that time. In a, in a junior high school where the ninth grade was the oldest class. And, and uh, you know, it was like, thank you. You know, yeah, that's, it, 
you know, but what that does is it kind of sets the stage for this is what he sees every day in practice. So his decisions are based upon these very efficient practice sessions where really there isn't a whole lot of guessing going on. on yeah. You doing what and where they're playing. How long has proactive coaching been around now? Um, started with speaking at clinics, but it became, we kind of became official late, like 1998, 99, right there. Uh, started uh, doing presentations that were specific to our, our, our mission. Um, so, yeah. And again, you know, we didn't promote anything. It was all word of mouth. And we tell our speakers now, um, every time you go out, it should lead to more opportunities. Yeah. If it doesn't, it's, it's, if it doesn't lead to more opportunities, it's either the content or the delivery of the content. That's all there is. And so, and the, and I say the content has stood the test of time for about 30 years. So it's the delivery of the content that needs to be improved. So, uh, but, but again, almost everybody on our speaking team are people who I've worked with. They've either coached, I've either coached with them or they played for them. Mm. Okay. This is an interesting thing and you're going to get here pretty soon, coach. One of the great things about getting old is almost everybody in my life who does anything important for us are former players. Our financial guy, our attorneys, our doctors for the most part. Yeah. Our, our insurance guys. And you know what that is? Unbelievable trust. Yeah. It's unbelievable trust. Uh, my, our financial guy is, is one of three boys in that family, and I loved them all. And the parents were great. And, um, and he asked, I actually had another one of my players call me and say, hey, coach, I think Ron would like to be your finances. I said, he doesn't want to mess around with my piddly little amount of money. There's those billionaires like you, Marty. So, <laughs> so he goes, no, coach, I think he really does. And so he came in and he said, uh, I, I said, okay, first of all, Mark, or first of all, Ron, I said, let's get something straight. This is what you do for a living, okay? And so I'm not going to take any discounts or anything like that. Mm. Nothing. I want to pay you because this is what you do for a living. He said, okay, deal's off. <laughs> <laughs> he was like number two in Oppenheimer or something where, he, you know, and he said, I've already got to talk to the boss and said, uh, I want to do this for free. And, and he said, uh, the boss was like, ah. and he said, well, would you charge your dad? And he said, well, no. He said, well, I'm not going to charge coach. So anyway, so the, the funny part of the story is about a month, two months later, Marty, the other kid who had called me about Ron wanted to do this. He said, he called me, he said, Ron and I are playing golf today, coach. He says, I've never seen him nervous about anything in his life. He said, I think he is so nervous about handling your money. He said, you're just a little piddly amount of money. He says, I honestly think, coach, if you ever lose any money, he's going to put his own in there. So you never know. You never know. <laughs> now that's, that's a pretty good place to be. Yeah, what a cool blessing that is right there. That's awesome. But the, and it's neat too because, like you, you've mentioned a couple of times, uh, your why was you just wanted to care about players. I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing like that's a part of wanted to care about players. You wanted to help them grow and help them to be the very, very best they can become and love them. And then, but from that has been this amazing business that that God has blessed and these relationships that are pouring back into your life. And so it's just so cool 
just to see what a great example of being transformational and without wanting these things that have come your way, the way that, that God's blessed you through all of that. His hand's been in this entire thing. I mean, we had never, like I said, marketed anything or advertised anything or promoted anything until Facebook. And I got tricked into that, you know, and one of my former players who was a speak, who was speaking for us at the time, uh, called me and said, coach, we need to get a business Facebook page. I said, you go right ahead. I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> I mean, just a time small, you know, and, and, and he, he goes, and he says, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. So on the way home, he calls me. He says, oh, by the way, coach, if you ever want to put anything on there yourself, you got to have your own personal page. It's like, nice trap. Yeah. Nice trap. That's, so that's how you got on there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to, I asked that a little bit about how long, because, you know, one, it's a, it's incredible um, with not just the fact that you're out there presenting things, but you've, you've had these other people come underneath you with the, but that, that also believe in, in the vision. Uh, but what are some things that make proactive coaching in the program that you, that you teach? What makes, what makes it different? I think there, I think the one thing that really separates us, and I, I think there's other people doing a lot of the same. Like I said, when I first started, there wasn't anybody else doing character-based coaching, intentionally incorporating character into your lesson plan, your practice plans, and into your relationships and that kind of stuff. Um, I think, and now there's a bunch of people that are doing it. And I'm glad, you know, people will say, ah, you know, as long as they're not just plagiarizing. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all for them. Well, there's enough kids out there. You know, there's exactly. enough programs out there. My, yeah. I think the thing that sets us apart is uh, – Everything we do is application based. In other words, um, coaches are coaches are not philosophical people. So when you talk about non-technical parts of the game, when you're talking about technical parts of the game, yeah, I can run that inbound. Yeah. But when I talk about non-technical parts of the game, you better have application. If you're gonna be philosophical, you better have application. So I think every single thing we do, every presentation, I think we have about 15 different presentations, and then we have a bunch of stuff we adapt off of those. But Every time we give one, I tell our speaking team, everybody in the audience should be able to say, you know what, I can take that, I can go out, I can apply it with that kid today. I can take that back to our team and apply that in our team. So I can take that and apply it in my coaching style starting now. It's their choices that are application-based. And so I think by attaching application to every single thing, I, I think it's one of the things that's helped us continue to be uh, asked to speak to coaches. And that that's a great idea though for coaches not just not just to you know look obviously all your, your materials are incredible but every coach has a culture that they're trying to set and it's like one of those deals where you have a culture it's either good or bad you either are directing it or it's just happening it <laughs> without any without your control or your input but so if we are being uh, proactive in setting that culture, then what a great idea. Instead of just having words up on top of the wall or, or slogans that are just floating in space, making sure that everything that you're talking about, it, not just what, but how, how are we going to, how does this contribute to winning? How does this contribute to us becoming a tighter team? Because just just words on the wall without any follow through uh, just are shallow. Yeah, absolutely, it's it's why we use the word covenant, Matt. In other words, we talk about. I mean, people 
And I take, I say, I don't care if you use covenant or not. We're going to use covenant. You can use values. You can use virtues. You can use pillars. You can use whatever yeah. you want. But we use the word covenant because of the power of the word. In other words, what are your team covenants? A covenant is a binding agreement where you can witness the difference. Now think about that. A binding agreement. Something's going to hold us together in good times and bad times. We are bound to this together. It is we over me. We, it is we, a binding agreement where you can witness the difference. In other words, here's what we believe. So therefore, this is what you will see. Mm. Okay? And so it's a matter of describing exactly what will be seen. What those covenants look like in action is, I think, it, again, it gets back to application. You know, and, and when we do culture stuff, we have a presentation that's uh, we do call captains and coaches workshop. And there's two things we do in that two main focuses of that workshop. And it's usually a, a full day or at least a half a day is one is is give your team leaders an, an, an exact job description. OK, and, and then do breakouts to discuss each one and how they're going to actually apply that, uh, whether they think they're going to be able to do that or not, if they can't do it, you know who on their team is going to be able to. And the second part is, is building an intentional culture based upon these covenants. And, and so uh, without getting into it too far, the covenants, there's two sides to great culture. And so we, our covenants culture uh, cover both sides of an intentional culture. The one is performance standards, the way we perform. We are in a performance activity, but we've done this. We just did one with the Army Corps of Engineers back in Virginia was just, I mean, you know, and when he called me, I said, I don't know what you do. He says, no, 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 I know what you do. Yeah. <laughs> I do it like you're talking about, you know, like you're taking a Division One football team through. Okay. So performance standards, the way we perform is important and it needs to be defined what performance standards are here. And I mean, from the way with businesses, the way they answer the phone, you know, it is, but with teams, it's, 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 it's the way we train. It's the way we, you know, the way we prepare, the way we focus in meetings, you know, all those things, performance standards. And then the second piece to great cultures is relationship commitments. You can have great performance standards, but if the relationships are poor, the care level is, is low, it, it, you're going to lose it. You can have great care and relationships, but if you don't cover the performance part, you'll have a bunch of really nice kids who get beat every week. You know, they look good in those uniforms. That's really, that's really good. No. So it's a combination of those two things. The, the way that we treat each other clearly, clearly spelled out. And then you're getting into things like being a great teammate. You're getting into things, you know, uh, I mean, just all the things that you need in a culture, whether it's a family or whether it's a business or whether it's a, a little league team or whether it's whether it's an nfl team the way we perform and the way we relate clearly 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 spelled so clear it cannot be misunderstood or misinterpreted so, you know you don't want everybody to have their own interpretation and one of the things we do in that captains and coaches workshop matt is is we include the the, the leadership kids in that process with the idea of what you have a hand in creating you're more willing to be invested in okay yeah. So, I mean, as coaches, we could go in and we could just dictate. This is this is the way we're doing things because I say so. Okay, or you can go in and say, "Here's my beliefs. Here's our foundational stuff. Let's start working on what that looks like." And if you think there's other important things that need to come in there, let's go. 
Okay, I, I love uh, that. It was going to be my next question is I'm guilty of like probably 95% of whoever listens to this of, man, I love that acronym. And those words really make a look great. Guys, here's our culture. It's on the t-shirts. It's on the wall. Live by this today. And because I'm at a school like Faith where, hey, coach, there's, just, there's great kids. You know, majority of them love the Lord. They're very respectful. They're good students. And they like basketball. And so they tolerate or they go along with. And if I answer or if I ask them a question, they'll, they'll say they like the culture you know, or what we're doing, but I don't do a very good job of allowing them to be, you know, them as stakeholders in really to, to have a hand in that process. So just to walk me through it, you know, next, maybe this summer when it's downtime, we've been disconnected, you know, maybe with these seniors or the a leadership group, or it could be the whole, what I would think is varsity team, blank sheet of paper, those two categories, and then as a group, we just start to discuss almost like if you read the the gold standard by Coach K when when he did the when, when he took over the Olympic team. That's what it made me think of when I was listening to you speak. I, what I've been on what the same stage as Coach Chashevsky several times, and had a chance to spend time with him and and that kind of stuff. When that book came out, I thought he heard me give that presentation because I mean. But he's 10 times smarter than me. But, you know, think about what he did. He pulled all those guys in there, Kobe and, you know. I Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, yeah. yeah. He pulled all those guys in there, and he said, basically, how'd that last Olympic experience go? <laughs> well, that was a disaster. You know, I mean, it was bad in every way. You know, and, and then basically said, okay, um, what are we going to do differently? And I remember in the book reading, one of them said, you know what, we're going to operate on time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And, and, and another thing he does is something that we suggest also is um, you, you get your most influential people on board ahead of time. And that's what he did. He took Jason Kidd, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Yeah. Not bad. Those three pulled them in and said, here are the things that like we really need to make sure. Yeah, you know, or no, no, no. He said, "I want to make sure you guys say something." Well, and and what yeah. I think what he said to Kobe when Kobe said we need to operate on time. Well, why? Well, you know, uh -huh. last time you know everybody's got their own entourages and everybody comes and you know whenever they're you know <laughs> like their normal lives on their normal teams they come whenever they want. Nothing starts till that star is there. And he said, all of a sudden we got twelve guys doing that. He said it was a nightmare. And mm -hmm. and so okay, operating on time. And so I think in the book, Shashevsky said, "Okay, Kobe, when we meet with the whole team, you say that." You, yep. you bring that up. And so all of a sudden, again, what you have a hand in creating, you're more willing to be invested in, and then you're more willing to live it. You know, on the greatest team cultures, Matt, we've, we've worked with some great ones, and I've had some phenomenal ones myself. On the greatest team cultures, you should be able to say to the, the, the people coming in new to the culture, if you're not quite sure how to act in any situation, just watch our seniors. Yeah. If you're not quite sure how hard to work in any situation, or how to train during practice, just watch our seniors. And because and, and, uh, those cultures, those those kids grow into that culture, they become better and better and better as every single year they're in it. Instead of instead of growing out of responsibility, they grow into responsibility the longer they're in the program. That's something we that's something we teach during that captains and coaches, the importance of of, of living your your covenants 
every single day. I love that, I love that term too. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Any advice for me? I mean, I literally, this is something that I've been wrestling with. Another byproduct of having these talks with people is uh, as, as much as I believe in uh, culture, such a buzzword, but you know, the, the way we show up, I believe the way we show up is really important every day. And, and I, but I, I want to be better and want to make sure that every year we're not just kind of throwing stuff against the wall or things or things are falling through the cracks that or I mean, if you're not careful, this culture you think you have, it may slip and erode and all of a sudden it's something different and and guys aren't upholding it and helping it grow and move forward. Any advice for me when I'm I'm having this meeting with my guys? Yeah, OK. A couple things, and you're right. One of the one of our phrases is "great cultures don't implode; they fray." Mm. Fraying process that takes place, and it's just really subtle. And then all of a sudden, you wake up one day and say, "What in the heck happened? How did how did we get here?" Yeah. Okay. And and so um, one of the things that some of the programs that we work with now have we've been with them so long that and and getting into such depth that they have what's called culture keepers. People who had played there before who come back and spend, you know, maybe it's just one practice or maybe it's a two or three days, just kind of sit in on stuff and go to coach and say, hey, you're slipping over here or no, you're doing this better than we ever did. You know, in other words, they understand the culture. Every kid on your team should be able to define the culture. It is, you know, and, and it should, they should start sounding like you. Here's another thought for you. I, you know, there's lots of ways to do this. There were things as a coach, and I know that you're there. There were things that, as a coach that I did not want to leave to chance, me personally. If, if you're going to represent our school and you're going to be representing our coaching staff, I have some non-negotiables. I'm not going to change from year to year. I may change slightly and may have a better, different focus based upon that, what the athletes need. But they, I always had three non-negotiables. Okay, and and with those three non-negotiables, they were they were three covenants that we I used what, no matter what level I was coaching, whether I was coaching junior high or whether I was coaching college. I said there were three non-negotiables. I always left the fourth cornerstone, the fourth covenant, open to the team, mm. and for them. And I would also have them redefine the my three non-negotiables in their language for that particular year based upon what they thought was important. But I left that fourth one open, but then I had them had them do the whole thing. Think about it, get it in writing so you get have the clarity, do the teaching of it, have an exact application pieces ready to go. So they did what I did because you know what we're trying to do, Matt? Every one of those kids that you're coaching is going to be a leader. Every one of those kids that you're coaching is going to be somewhere is going to have a culture, even if it's just throwing family culture. Okay. And it's important for them to be able to know how to do an intentional culture the right way. So we are giving them a chance to be part of it. Now, I, I don't know, maybe I was too stringent and maybe I was too much of a control, you know, I always want these three, no matter what, but I wanted well, to be able to guarantee some things. Yeah. There's also a difference too, between uh, what coach K did with the Olympic team with, with, adult professionals and then because a lot of sometimes our players they don't know what they don't know and they're coming from more of a limited uh, experience and background so I don't think uh guiding you know and and and, if, and, and also too I mean uh, 
you and I, as the coaches of the program, unless we're hopping around a ton, we'll, we'll remain. And players will continue to move throughout. Well, if you don't mind, uh, what were your three non-negotiables? Work habits. Okay, preparation. And all battles are won before they're fought. Since, uh, all confidence comes from preparation. So under, under preparation, under, under work habits, how hard we train, how, how focused we are in our training, how, how intentional we are in our training. No surprises ever. We'll, we'll be prepared for anything you will ever face. Anything you ever face, okay? And and if we're ever surprised, it's on me, not mm. on you, okay? Mm. So so one of them was how the, the and, and with younger kids you didn't call it work habits, you know. But and and I actually had preparation, you know. And and you know one of your things we're not going to talk about was how do you how do you develop confidence in your athletes? You develop confidence in your athletes by being prepared. Yeah, I I, I have a feeling I'm going to perform well because of what I've been trained to do. So yeah. I want to know if a kid has confidence. You can walk into any high school in America and you can see some kid that's an athlete and you can say, how are you going to do Friday night? The kid that hasn't been taught what true confidence is says, we're going to kick their butt. He's anticipating the outcome. That's not confidence. If I walk down and say, how are you going to do Friday night? We've had a great week of preparation. We're ready. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? So work habits is one of mine. Okay. Uh, enthusiasm. Put your heart in your work. Bring your energy. Okay, uh, one of the teams, one of the Division One football teams, we worked with one time when we were developing their culture for him, and I was asking him, "What do they want to, you know, what, you know, what does he want his team to stand for?" He said, "I want to lead the nation in energy." Yeah, Shaka Smart. That was one of his big things. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, I love that enthusiasm. I mean, it, we're here because we love this. We love the game. We love. We love each other. We love to coach it. You love to play it. And so let that show. It needs to show every single that time. My coaches do not come out here unless your hair is on fire. I want your hair and your arms standing straight up, man. When you cross the line to start coaching, okay, bring your enthusiasm. Pure, you know, that, that whole sheer joy. Joy is part of that, you know. Um, and then the third one, uh, without getting into many depth, was a team first attitude. Uh, the, the service. Uh, it is, it is sac sacrificing an individual for a team. Uh, put your put your team ahead of yourself in every decision. Uh, it, it, that gets into roles and the value of roles and valuing every role. It gets into uh, our, our our highest uh, award we gave at the end of the season was an MVT instead of MVP, most valuable teammate. Ooh, I like that because again, you get what you reward. So if you if you really want great teammates and you want to have great strong covenants, reward your covenants. Hmm. Reward your covenants. If you want to have more buy-in to your covenants, reward them. And so, so you're placing everything around those covenants. The outcome takes care of itself. Just so many great ideas. And I'm thinking, even even like TJ Rosine is a coach that uh, uh, at Emmanuel. Um, I think it's in Atlanta. But he's also been with, with PGC. And he's just such a great culture guy. And he... And he he made a comment about how culture isn't just something that is part of a practice plan, a quote at the top or something you have to check off and go. It's, it's moments that you infuse it, you know, throughout every practice, every conversation, you're always looking for moments that we can tighten our culture and expound it. And I'm wondering how many times that I don't, we talk about culture and we're trying to drive it, but we only reward the performance and the, analytic piece to basketball that has its place 
I think I may have fallen short on on that side. We have an alliance. We have a line award at the end of the year. And I love giving that line award because it's the award I think I would have won in college because I wasn't going to win any statistical category. But I think there's more that I can be doing. Okay, that was that MBT was taught to me by one of my players real early in my career. You start off coaches, you're a coach. What did my coaches do? MVP, most valuable player. So I give an MVP award. Kid takes it home. It was a Friday night, and he was very gracious and everything. He came back in before school on Monday morning with the trophy. He said, Coach, you can have this back. He said, all year long, you preach team first. Sacrifice. You know, play your role. Uh, nobody's more valuable than anybody else. The passers, you know, the shooter's no more valuable than the passer or the screener, or, you know. And, and he said, and then at the end of the year, he said, you give me a trophy for scoring the most points. Congratulations for being born tall, he says. <laughs> he says, he said, coach, that's <laughs> not who we are. That's not who we are. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, from the mouths of babes. And, and, I, and I just hugged him. And I said, you are exactly right. And we, we just made that simple change. And, uh, you know, you, I learn more from my players than I think anybody. Coach, this has just been such a precious time for me with you that I, I think not not a lot of people get. So I can't let you go before uh, you do the speed round. Now, the, the speed round are just quick questions that have nothing to do with what we've talked about for the last hour. But those another, of us... fun for you, in other words. That's right. Those of us that don't get to, to, to be around you a ton will get to know you a little bit better. You ready? Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Chocolate chip mint. Love that. For high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Shot clock, and it should be about eight seconds. We'll talk about that. <laughs> when do we talk about basketball? That's the go, coaches. If 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 you if you're listening to this one, the culture stuff's been great. Uh, uh, talk two with me, coach, is going to be about. Eight second shot clock. <laughs> that got me really excited. Uh, texting or talking? Oh, talking. Favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. This is a weird one. Invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. Hmm. I, I, but I, that's that's a that's a shyness thing. It's the introvert. Yeah. yeah. The introvert. Uh, if you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? And you're just visiting. You don't have to be in it. And the reason I say this is because I asked Coach Drew this question. And, uh, and he said, oh, I, love, I love learning about wars and, and battles and things. I love to go. And then he paused. He goes, but I don't want to be in it. <laughs> so <laughs> favorite time. I would love to live and uh, serve in crazy horses. Warriors, the Lakota warriors. I love Native American culture. I would, I would love to to be part of Crazy Horses team. Um, I don't know. Tell me real quick what that what that is. Crazy Horses was a was a Lakota chief. Um, he was feared in battle and loved by his people. He was unbelievably humble 
by all the things he had accomplished in battle, he could have worn all kinds of headdresses and feathers and stuff. He said, look, look who I am, look what I've done. Never wore more than one feather. He was adored by his people. He led with absolute courage and confidence, but he also was, he, he, he took care of people. You know, Crazy Horse was, I, I, I say that, if you ever want to talk about great leaders, go back to the Native American culture, talk about Sitting Bull, Black Elk, Chief Joseph, uh, and Crazy Horse. Wow. Those people um, understood leadership, and they understood culture, and they understood team. And, uh, and that's just a... Do you have a recommendation on, on something to look for or read about him? You know, is there is there something out there? called the journey of crazy horse uh that is uh that is really good there's another one called the lakota way um that i'm i'm actually rereading it right now um what a cool name too crazy oh, horse yeah i yeah. think the way we play i might <laughs> I, could get, yeah. I could get that <laughs> but no i love that um your favorite place to travel besides where you actually live which sounds like a paradise you know, when I first started traveling, as a teacher, I didn't travel much. So traveling was a big adventure. Then it got in 9-11, and mm. um, uh, I'm glad I'm not traveling. Mm. Uh, my, my favorite place to travel is down the road. And, Love that. Yeah. Two more. How many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Two. Always two? How do you drink it? Industrial strength, baby. <laughs> so quick story about that my the coach I worked for before this Wes Watson at McKinney High School one of my favorite human beings I walked in with a with a, a, a Starbucks coffee and he's like what's in that I was like it's a vanilla latte mocha something like that and he just had this disgusted look on his face I was like what he said Matt if you want to be a head coach one day you drink your coffee black <laughs> and from that day that I've never had it any other way. I love it now. I mean, it's just even the smell of it all is the, but I, <laughs> uh, last I, one. I never drank coffee till I, I, during an eight year period of time, I evaluated players for the NFL draft. I was evaluating for Seattle and for Dallas and Buffalo and San Francisco. And so I'd go in at odd hours I'd go in at night and you evaluate these kids on film and stuff, you know, and, and they always had coffee on it. And I never drank any coffee at all. when I was probably 30 years old. And so one night I was really tired. I thought, okay, I'm just going to, I can see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there are tons of benefits to coffee and caffeine, you know, but obviously there, there's the other uh, I've seen or read some video or watched some videos on, you know, go without caffeine for 30 days and what it does to your mental clarity, your sleep and everything. So I try to keep it at a good amount in season. I get a little bit higher than out of season. <laughs> Last one, and probably the, and I jokingly say the most important, uh, Godfather or Star Wars. But now that I've, I've, I've asked this enough, it, it could also be neither. You know, the, the last movie I watched was Hoosiers. And that's when it first came out. <laughs> so I was, was going to ask when it when it first came out, or because I've watched that all the time. <laughs> no, when it first came out, I don't go. To, we don't go to movies. We don't yeah. watch on TV. There's just too many things to do around here. I mean, every now and then, uh, I, I watched um, uh, Dances with Wolves. 
because of the connection with the Native American. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll watch some stuff like that. Well, Coach, in Hoosiers, though, I mean, do you agree or disagree with five passes before you shoot? You know, I used to be that because we were a motion and we ran a motion. Every time you passed the ball, there were two screens, the person who passed screen and the nearest, the nearest person to the receiver screen. So you had every pass equal two screens. And so I say, I used to tell my guys, hey, five, six passes, that's that's 12 screens. Somebody's going to break down. We're going to get a bunny out of this thing, okay? Mm. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Oh, Coach, this has been just such a treat for me. Uh, before we before we get off, uh, for those coaches that don't know, just tell a little bit about Proactive Coaching, where they could go, how they can get plugged into just all the great materials that you have. Well, I'm not going to promote it as much as just, you know, take a look. Our website, proactivecoaching.info, I-N-F-O. Take a look at it. If you have any questions, give me a call. Uh, I'd rather talk to you on the phone about stuff. And every time we send out a package of any materials, I always send along with an email saying, if you ever want to discuss the content, give me a call. You know, when you're old, you get to stay home and talk on the phone. That's what I do. So, that's <laughs> But that's that's really impressive, though, that, because there you mentioned before, there are a lot of companies or groups doing similar things or probably any area of the game. I mean, offense, shooting, defense, you can – you can go on there and Google and get a bundle, you know, from somebody real quick. But the follow through and the connection, I've just always been blown away. And even though, you know, the the few times that I've 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 ever tried to reach out to you, blown away by how quickly you get back, and it just says something about your level of care. Well, I appreciate that very much. It's it's a, it's a habit. Just like just like you know, it's just one of those things that's important. Coach, this this was a blast, and I, I'm just so honored. Uh, you know, by your time. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I'm looking forward to talking hoops, baby. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.